coming up. How did the D-backs pull off that comeback against the reigning World Series champs? And is Paul Goldschmidt the leading NL MVP candidate? Bringing it all down for you next. Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there to see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle and of course thank you for making locked on dimebacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends and today's episode is brought to you by blue nile Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. Now, now that we've got all the formalities out the way, we're going to talk about Paul Goldschmidt's potential MVP candidacy with Sully Baseball of Lockdown MLB. But first, we have to talk about that Game 2 victory over the Atlanta Braves. Unfortunately, we couldn't record after last night's game because our podcast host server, the website that hosts these podcasts, um, a lot of technical difficulties last night, so we weren't able to get the podcast up for Tuesday, unfortunately, but we got one coming for you guys on Wednesday because we got to discuss that game to victory over the reigning World Series champs. The D-backs win that game 8-7, to seven, and this was a funny game to watch because if you guys ever seen that video, I got some for my YouTube listeners. I keep scratching my face because I have a hair on my nose, but this was a funny game to watch because if you've ever seen like that one video clip of the football player talking, um, he's like, you got us in the first half. You got us in the first half. But in the second half, though, because that's how this game felt. The Braves got the D-backs in the first half of this game because of the disgusting pitching by Roberto Castellanos. So we'll get more into that later. But the D-backs offense just kind of chipped away slowly but surely throughout this game. And eventually, they were able to pull it out with some late eighth inning, ninth inning, and tenth inning magic. And the funny thing about this game is Cooper Hummel, around that eighth inning, I was taking my notes. I like to do, you know, my three stars of the game for if the D-backs win, who are the three best players or the three most important or the three most impactful players in that game. Three moons of the game for the three players that made the least amount of impact. And Cooper Hummel was definitely going to get one of those moons as I was typing up my notes around the eighth inning because the D-backs looked like they were going to lose. I thought Cooper Hummel was going to be a huge scapegoat in tonight's game. But instead, Cooper Hummel goes from scapegoat to hero because... If you just recap Cooper Hummel's game, he grounded into a double play with two on and one out in the fourth inning, grounded out with a man on third in the sixth inning, and then struck out with first and third in the eighth inning. So he had three opportunities during the regular, uh, what do you call it, the regular part of the game, the the pre-extra innings. Cooper Hummel was not able to get it done with runners in scoring position multiple times, three times to count exactly. But in the 10th inning, Cooper Hummel was able to just kiss a ball down the line. The chalk 
kicked up and that was all you needed to see because once that chalk kicks up there's no need to go to replay there's no need to review there's no need to argue a challenge because once you see that chalk kick up it's automatic that was the base hit and the game was over so let's first i first want to start with the negatives from this game and i, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but i first want to talk about humberto castellanos in this game because castellanos is not very good 4.2 innings pitch five earned runs and I think pretty soon, we might not be there just yet, but pretty soon we're going to have to start thinking about other options maybe to replace a Castellanos if he continues to pitch like this. I don't think we have to worry about Zach Davies or anything like that just yet, but I don't think Castellanos, I don't think his spot is secure. I don't think it's secure in the rotation because you got options like Corbin Martin who can always come back and take a rotation spot who is coming off his best start of the season where he struck out 10 batters for the Reno Aces. You also have Tyler Gilbert who hasn't been performing well on the minor league level, but on the big sample size he has on the major league level, Tyler Gilbert has performed pretty effectively. So I wouldn't be too surprised if Castellanos keeps performing like the way he is over the last couple starts because Castellanos in his last two starts now, 11 earned runs. If that trend continues, I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs start to look at other internal options because Someone like Matt Alston would just teeing off in this game against Castellanos. I think he was a triple shy of the cycle by the time the fifth inning rolled around. It was the first time in Alston's career. He had three extra base hits in one game, and he was able to do that all while Castellanos was on the mound. Absolutely just destroyed him. It was like a personal demon uh, Matt Alston had against Castellanos. And... That fifth inning for Castellanos, I mean, we saw basically everything from him. The announcers were really keying in on this. Castellanos recorded a strikeout, a walk, a hit-by-pitch, and a wild pitch in that fifth inning. And the hit-by-pitch was weird because it was against Ronald Acuna. And right before the hit-by-pitch, um, the catcher came out to talk to Castellanos. They had a little catcher meeting. And then the very next pitch, Acuna gets hit. So was a little weird, a little fishy. It, it, the ball, the pitch did look like it just ran away from Castellanos when watching the replay but it is weird to see a catcher's meeting then the very next pitch you hit the best player on the opposing team so that is a little sketch so I definitely don't want to get more umpires involved we didn't even get a chance to talk about Toy Lovello getting tossed yesterday because I was at the Memorial Day game where Toy Lovello got tossed and honestly I had no clue what was happening when I was in the stands because I was eating my cold stone ice cream and all of a sudden I look up Toy Lovello's arguing getting tossed I'm like what's happening here and I'm talking to the people next to me they're like literally I have no idea what's going on so I I was pretty confused in the moment, but after going home, looking at the replays, like, yeah, that was a strike by Zach Gallen, and the um definitely deserved to hear some of it. I wish Tori Lavello probably didn't get thrown out in that moment, but the umpire just a quick reaction and a, a quick toss on Toy Lovello. So I wasn't happy to see that. And the umps again wasn't great tonight with the strike zone, but I'm not gonna complain. Whining about umps, I think it's usually just a waste of your breath and a waste of your time. So I'm not gonna complain about the umps in tonight's game because Usually, I don't think the ums definitely make an impact on the game with their strike zone. But overall, there's only so many games throughout the year where you're like, man, that call changed the complexion of the game. That really doesn't happen too much. So Castellanos was terrible tonight. But like we talked about, the offense was able to pick him up because the offense just kind of chipped away throughout the whole night. Christian Walker started the game off with a home run back to back games with the D-back start off the game. In the first inning with a home run, Paven Smith did it yesterday. Christian Walker did it today. Walker, ninth home run of May for him. The dude has been crushing it this month. He also got two runs in the sixth off of Paven Smith's sack fly and also another Christian Walker almost home run 
off the wall. D-backs able to play a little small ball in the eighth inning after a Varsho bunt to start the inning to get a run. Then in the ninth inning, Alec Thomas starts the inning with a single Big clutch at bat by Alec Thomas. Keto Marte, it doesn't matter if he's starting the game or off the bench. He kept that hit streak alive. 13-game hitting streak now for Keto Marte. And then Varsho, of course, in the ninth inning. Sack fly. And then you fast forward to the 10th inning. And Mark Melanson doing his usual Mark Melanson impression. Like, he gave up back-to-back singles in the 10th inning. And we can't overlook this. Jordan Luplo throws out the runner at third base. And that might have been the player of the game. If Luplo doesn't do that... I don't think the D-backs win this game because it was the difference between the Braves just being up one versus maybe being up two, maybe even more runs because you don't know what happens after that. With the way Mark Melanson was pitching, I wouldn't be surprised if he gave up two more runs after that. So huge play by Jordan Luplo because in the bottom of the 10th, of course, David Peralta goes the opposite way, clutch single by the freight train, and then Cooper Hummels, we talked about, kisses it down the sideline. Great D-backs win to really... We've talked about the D-backs showing resilience, and they've done it against a lot of bad teams. And, you know, when we look at the D-backs' updated record against below 500 teams, like, it's going to go up after this series because the Braves are below 500 teams. So it still looks like the D-backs only beat up on bad teams. But you have to respect the Braves for the amount of talent that they have and considering they're coming off a World Series win. I don't care what their record is right now. Beating the Atlanta Braves in a series is very, very impressive, especially considering, like, we got to remind everyone, the D-backs were a 52-win team last season. Now they're beating their reigning World Series champs in a series. So now let's hand out our three stars. Like we talked about, we hand out three stars after every win, three moons after losses, and I thought we were going to have to do three moons, but now we get to hand out three stars, and the first star goes to David Peralta, who had two hits tonight, two RBIs, that Big single in the 10th inning to keep the D-backs alive. David Peralta was huge tonight. Second guy was Christian Walker, who had the home run in the first inning. Also in the sixth inning, had the shot off the wall. Christian Walker, three RBIs tonight, was huge. And then the last star has to go to Cooper Hummel, who had the walk-off hit in extra innings. Great game by him. Great game by, well, actually not a great game by Cooper Hummel. Great 10th inning by Cooper Hummel because the overall game was not good by him. But overall by the D-backs, even though Castellanos wasn't good, and also Kyle Nelson wasn't very good in this one either, the man has been elite with not allowing inherited runners to score. Only one inherited runner all season has scored for Kyle Nelson, and he allowed a couple of them to score today. Also allowed a he also allowed an earned run in today's game, only allowed two of those all season entering uh, the second game of the series against the Braves as well. So not the best Kyle Nelson, not the best, not the best Mark Melanson, not the best Humberto Castellanos. But once again, the D-backs offense showed resilience. They had a great comeback down from 6-2. They were able to get the victory against the Atlanta Braves. So good job by the D-backs. And now let's go for that series sweep tomorrow. Now, speaking of stars, Paul Goldschmidt has been a star for the Cardinals all season, and I think he would like to win some jewelry with St. Louis as well. So Paul Goldschmidt and I are going to talk about Goldie's potential MVP case, but if you want some fine jewelry, you need to head to BlueNile.com because... Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. BlueNile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. 
Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take you very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. Your team has been uh, uh, staking its claim and has been showing that they're they're Ooh. going. They're going to uh, be Ooh. a team worth looking at. Uh, that would be the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, and uh, the Cardinals uh, are creepy. You know, they played well against uh, Milwaukee over the weekend. Um, hey, I, there was a player who I had not heard of before because he's brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. But uh, his name is Nolan Gorman. Yep. One of the big prospects they had in their system. Some of these teams are bringing up their players, and Nolan Gorman. Had a huge game over the weekend where he got four hits, including a home run in St. Louis's eight to three victory over the Milwaukee Brewers. And these are critical games for the St. Louis Cardinals. I know it's tough to say, and so early in the season, these head-to-head matchups are important, especially if you're a team like St. Louis uh, that wants to be a playoff team, would rather win the division. You got to win these head-to-head games against Milwaukee because the rest of the division stinks. The Cubs stink. The Reds stink. The Pirates stink. Did I miss anyone? Yeah, that's five. Boom. You got three tomato cans in your division. So this is really Milwaukee versus St. Lou. So every time that those two teams match up, that's like that's like winning two games. You know that that just that just helps you along the way. And adding some of these young players to the squad, where a team that's already has a lot of talent on their team. Uh, you know, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. By the way, Tommy Pham was once a Cardinals prospect mm. uh, and they traded him away, but let's, uh, I know I, you know, I feel badly cause I keep yeah. bringing this up every time we talk, but guess what? He's having an unbelievable season. Yeah. Uh, Goldschmidt has in the last seven days, an uh, OPS over 150 in his last year. Uh, going back to last year, his last 365 games, he's slashing 328 with an on-base percentage with 401, a 538 slugging. That's an OPS of of 987 over the last uh, 153 games he's played, throwing 35 home runs, 112 ribbies. Uh, and um, yeah, he strikes out a lot, but you know, so does everybody. Man, that Goldschmidt, he's yeah. uh. He's why can't player. the Diamondbacks? Why can't the Diamondbacks get players like Paul Goldschmidt? He's a good player, and just talking about him just makes me so exasperated, Sully. I mean, this man right now—he looks like he's going to be what top two in MVP voting with Has the way he's be. playing right now. Has to yeah. be, and 
really the sad thing is it's not just the fact that Goldschmidt is balling out. It's more of a D-backs fan when you think of the return you got back for Goldschmidt and how they're performing right now. Um, They're not on the field. Luke Weaver this past weekend would just transfer to the 60-day injured list. It looks like it's going to be another lost season for Luke Weaver, who after that first season in 2019 had just been downright bad. He's had high ERAs, become like a two-pitch guy. Opposing batters seem to be really locked in on whatever Luke Weaver throws. At one point, he started this season in the rotation. By the second start, the D-backs moved him to the bullpen. And this was a guy who was supposed to be maybe a, a number two starter in your rotation. Now it's like, could he maybe be a high-leverage reliever? So there's huge question marks about uh, Luke Weaver. And then Carson Kelly was the other guy in that deal. And I still like Carson Kelly a lot, but he's been on the injured list for three weeks now he started the season horrendously so hopefully he can come back and bounce back but you look at the two major pieces the D-backs got back in that Goldschmidt deal Luke Weaver looks like he's never going to materialize into the ceiling we thought he had and Carson Kelly I think could still be one of the better offensive catchers in baseball but he still doesn't seem like he's going to be a star player so this is why when I talk about you need to do everything you can to keep your star players this is why because even when you get back top prospects potential blue chippers back from another team's organization um, they don't always materialize, and more times than not, they don't. If you just look at the history, the last 10, 20 years of superstar trades, most of the time the team that trades away the superstar ends up losing that deal. And I think it's fair to say the D-backs ended up losing that deal when they traded away Paul Goldschmidt. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a slave to war, but mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm just going to look at it for this particular reason. The top five... Uh, and they're all bunched together. It's too early in the season to have like a, like someone pulling away. But the, the top five in war in the 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 National League, uh, and that they're all within less than one war between each other, are uh, Ed uh, Manny Machado, uh, Edmund, the second baseman at St. Louis. I suppose he's up there because he's great defensively. Uh, Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt. Now, what do Manny Machado? Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt all have in common. What do those four players all have in common? They were traded. They were traded mm-hmm. by the teams for the big blockbuster deal. Now, the now the only player, the, the Red Sox got Alex Verdugo in the Mookie Betts trade. Mm-hmm. And while he's no Mookie Betts, Verdugo has had some, has been a at least a he's starter. Good. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a major leaguer. Yeah, he's okay? a major leaguer. Um, nobody from that Machado trade is on the field right now. No. The big uh, Rosene Diaz was supposed to be the big star from that trade. He and I are tied with Major League appearances, okay? Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Arenado was, of course, dumped by Colorado. Mm-hmm. Goldschmidt was dumped by St. Lou. Um, the they would redo the- those trades if they could. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And, you know, you look at this and the lesson you get when you see the team say, screw it, we're just going to sign our superstar to a long-term deal. So seldom does a player develop into a superstar that when you get one, you're not going to get the return back, partly because front offices are too smart at this point. They're not going to – the trades that used to happen, like I remember at one point, I'm going to – like there was a a trade – where uh, the the Houston Astros had a slugger named Glenn Davis in the late 80s, early 90s. He was like their only slugger they had. And they traded him to Baltimore. And people go, man, the Orioles, you know, he's in a hitter's ballpark now. And the Orioles surrendered Steve Finley, 
who had a very long productive career, made the all-star team a couple of times. Pete Harnish, who's another talented pitcher, became an all-star. And, oh, yeah, Kurt Schilling, who became a borderline Hall of Famer, if not necessarily someone you want to give a toast at your wedding. <laughs> and the days of a team getting three all-stars back for one player are done, are done. You know, because teams are too smart. Teams hold on to their young players too much. They value them too much. So if you're going to trade a superstar and you're going to, you know. Now look at the general manager of the Diamondbacks should slap the general manager of the Cardinals because he should be madder than Tommy Pham. Sully and I will continue talking about Paul Goldschmidt's potential MVP case, but if you want to bet on Goldie winning the MVP, you need to head to betonline.net because our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Follow the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and at the time of the deal, I like the trade for the D-backs because when I look at – because there's a couple of different philosophies you can have when trading a superstar player. You could go for those really young, potential blue-chipper prospects, or you could try to go for the more major league-ready guys who might have already played on the major league level but haven't reached their ceiling yet or at least right there making it to the major league level. And that's what the D-backs did. They kind of went with that ladder out by going Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, two guys who are already on the major league level before they traded for them. And I think I like that philosophy better. I'd rather go with guys I've already seen on the major league level who are young and were top prospects and go with the guys who are just complete unknowns who we've never seen on major league level, who we've never seen flash or make adjustments. So I did like the trade that the Mike Hazens make. I prefer that trade over going with, you know, the third best prospect in the Cardinals organization that we've never seen, but either philosophy you choose, you're probably going to end up losing, which is the overall point of this whole thing. Like at the end of the day, you have to keep your superstar trades, uh, keep your superstar players. And, Maybe that Red Sox trade with Mookie Betts, maybe if Jeter Downs ends up working out, that could be one of those indicators like, okay, this is how you can do the trade where it works because Verdugo was a guy who was a major league ready guy already at the time they acquired him, and they got back another top 75 prospect in Jeter Downs, but those are rare. Maybe the Chris Sale trade to the Red Sox, that's a better comparison of because the White Sox got back Moncada and they got Kopech, who are both major leaguers and playing pretty well, but overall, it's pretty lopsided for the team that gets the superstar. Yeah, I'm, I'm so many times it hangs over a general manager's head when they trade away a young superstar. I mean, when it becomes like when you think about like Hall of Famers who were toss ins and deals, so, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan Sandberg, you know, was a toss in and a trade involving the Phillies, you know, another Hall of Famer, Fergie Jenkins was a toss-in as a young player. You know, when you have situations like that, when you have a Paul Canerco who was a Dodger prospect become a superstar with the uh, White Sox for as long as he was, you know, the famous scene in Seinfeld when Frank Costanza screams at George Steinberg, what the hell are you doing trading Jay Buhner for? 
I mean, that, those deals hang over a team. Uh, and so the general managers don't want to be the one that is like, you trade away Buner or you trade away, you know, Kenny Lofton was an Astros prospect and he was traded to the Indians for Eddie Taubensee, a catcher. At the time, that trade made sense. Mm-hmm. The Indians had an excess of catchers. The Astros had a ton of young outfielders. And they said, look, it, there's not a space for Kenny in this outfield. We're not going to be starting Taubensee. Let's swap. On the surface, it actually looked like a smart trade when it happened. Kenny Lofton went on to be one of the best leadoff hitters, certainly the best leadoff hitter of his era. And uh, Eddie Taubensee became a major league reserve catcher. You know, so whenever there's a trade like that, it it hangs over a general manager's head. And we've become so general manager heavy these days, like the that that's sort of where the power is that. And there's so much when you have a young player that could be under team control to surrender that, you know, Jeff Bagwell being traded for Larry Anderson isn't going to happen again. Yeah. And it's funny because when you bring up sometimes the overlook guys in the deal that ends up panning out, I feel like that's usually kind of true. It feels like the secondary and tertiary prospects that might be in the deal end up hitting more than the guys who are considered the blue chipper in a deal. Because I look at the D-backs when they trade away Zach Greinke, they got back three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization, Seth Beer, J.B. Braskakis, and they got back Corbin Martin. But there was a fourth player added in that deal who were just kind of a throw-in. You know who that was, Sully? That was Josh Rojas. And right now, he's the best player in that deal. He wasn't one of the top five prospects in the organization he's like the 27th best prospect in the Astros organization right now he's the best player from that deal and sometimes there's an Elton John song called get back honky cat where he says a change is going to do you good and sometimes a change does a player good if a player is blocked if a player is in a system where I'm not going to get any playing time and suddenly they relax or maybe they the change maybe the the change of scenery jolts them you don't always know how a player is going to react, but I, I, when I used to obsess over Baseball America, I always fell hook, line, and sinker over any prospects. That they hit 30 home runs in double-A. That means oh, they'll hit 50 in the majors. Like They projected all these players. And the Blue Jays were a factory of all these young outfielders that everybody thought was going to be the next Andre Dawson or Tim Raines, and they would just trade all of them. And people go, oh, my God, what a great factory of outfielders the Blue Jays had. And there's most of them trying to be stiffs, you know. But yeah. it, I mean, And, again, I have to say this. Mm-hmm. If you make it to the major leagues, even for one game, you are an extraordinary talent. You're better than I will ever be at anything in my life. The <laughs> gauntlet to get to the major leagues is so rough that even a bench player – who gets in and bats 100 is better than anyone I'll ever meet in my life. I'm going to say that if everything is graded on a curve before anyone says, I announced where's your stats. Da, 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 da. I get it. I'm a 50 year old dude who should lose some weight. All right. Okay, yeah, Miller, I wouldn't agree with that. Sully. I wouldn't agree. Miller, you've got no excuse. You're a young man. Yeah, I mean, I work out every day, so like, I try. But one of the reasons why I don't like to uh, follow. Right, right, right. Oh, look at, oh look, my god! Look at that's my athletic greens right there. That's some built bars right there. 
Yeah, for those audio uh, listeners, we always got to mention the audio listeners. Uh, if you go on the Lockdown MLB YouTube channel or Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel, Sully's biceps as big as my head, so I need to get back in the gym and work out some more. Yeah, because, that's how that's oh, how I podcast God. right there. Oh, well, uh, right maybe there, you need to go right back there. with the right, right arm. I don't right know if the there. left arm's on the same level. Uh, yeah, but one of the reasons I don't like variety, variety. Yeah, that makes sense. But one of the reasons I don't like to talk about prospects any you know as much as I got older is just because growing up as a Red Sox fan, like I was really locked in on all their top prospects. I used to go through the MLB.com top 30 prospects for organization, click on the Red Sox and just read all their scouting reports, the Henry Owens, the Anthony Renatos, the the Bryce Brents, and read how these guys are going to be future all-stars. And guess what? None of them panned out. They all just ended up being bust. And Henry Owens was supposed to be the next number two starter for the Red Sox. That guy pitched like 50 innings and then was out of Major League Baseball. Remember Trey Ball? Trey Ball was a Oh my God. Was he a lefty in like the seventh? Yeah. Trey Ball. And I thought, I thought, what a great name. Play ball, Trey Ball. Yeah. And, and uh, those guys oh, never here he comes. Out. He's gonna be he's gonna be our lefty. He's gonna be he's gonna be like John Lester. Jay Groom. Know? Are we still waiting on Jay Groom? Was yeah, it like the year much, after or something? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, this is why prospects and just talking about it most of the time it's just wasting your breath. Like, shout out Lindsey Crosby doing the prospect show because most of those guys are not even going to be in Major League Baseball, probably. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. As always, thank you to everyone who tuned into today's edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. We'll recap the series tomorrow. We'll probably talk about some D-back stats and facts now that the month of May has ended and we're entering the month of June. So we should update some stats of, you know, how the D-backs are performing two months through the season. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!